Hey folks, welcome to Pivot Point. My name is Joseph DiBiase and this is my podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to Pivot Point. Thank you for tuning in. And I want to say a big thank you for all of you who have reached out and let me know how much this show, these these episodes have impacted you. Uh, it really is wonderful. Um, you know, that is why we do the show. And you know, this is why Kathy has decided to be so vulnerable in the show, is to offer hope to make an impact and and it is it's happening so thank you so today is going to be part 3 and the wrap up of the conversation that Kathy and I have had and i have to say that um you know as as much as it has impacted you it has impacted me as well I'm deeply honored to be a facilitator of this kind of show. Um, and so <laughs> I want to go to something that uh, is, is important. And, and I only noticed it after spending the time editing. And that is, damn, do I do a lot of mansplaining. And I just have to say, I am really sorry about that. At the time, I think I'm doing yes anding. So should I describe the difference? The difference is this. Yes and would be, Wow, you know, it is such a sunny day outside. And then I would yes and it and go, ah, uh, yeah, it really is. And it's so warm too. And all of the birds are, are just flying around and chirping. And then the other person would yes and and say, I know. And when I hear all those birds, it just makes me really happy. And then I would say, as a yes and, me too. So on and on it goes, and you yes and a conversation. <laughs> it is mansplaining. It grieves me because you'll hear it if you haven't already. It's not like in this episode I decided to just mansplain. I'm pretty sure I, I did it all the way through. But I know I'm definitely doing it here. So what is mansplaining? So mansplaining would be something like, well, to keep a similar analogy, person one would say, wow, it is really sunny outside. And when, I, when I'm seeing all this, it just I see all the birds and they're singing and they, it just makes me so happy. And mansplaining would be, it is sunny outside and the sunshine is just causing all those birds to be singing and making other people happy. and makes me happy too. It, it, it basically repeats what someone else has just said as though it's their own idea. And as he hangs his head with shame, he raises his hand and says, yep, that's me. So I will make you all a promise to say that from here on, in all of the following interviews, I will do my best to be aware of that and not do it again. And if I hear it, I will edit it out. No, I'm just kidding. I will call myself out on it. Because enough already. Let's do more yes-anding. 
and less mansplaining. All right, let's shift, shall we? This series has been really, as I said earlier, an honor for me because I've never met anybody who has, gosh, so many things, who has gone through what she's gone through, be vulnerable enough to talk about it and share for all of us, and not lay victim to it, but instead has used it to fuel her future and fuel her creativity and make her life a living story. And that is courage. And it encourages me. It gives me perspective of the things that enter into my life that make me feel down or unwanted or unworthy or not belonging or not good enough and adds a different kind of perspective to it so that I can move forward on myself. It is like what I say at the end of the show. If she's doing it, why not you? That's what I'm talking about here. It's not that she's doing her art, which is part of it. It's just not that. What it is, is that she is moving forward and still breathing and still pushing forward. A champion. So, This is going to be the wrap-up of this conversation. Feel free to share it. Listen to it again. There's lots and lots of gold to be mined in this series. And Kathy, thank you again for coming on the show, for your openness, your vulnerability, your honesty, and your courage. Thank you for leading the way. All right, everybody, here we go. Episode three of my conversation with Kathy Vu. She saw that I was creative in not just ways of designing, but also in ways of thinking. She knew someone that had an opening in a marketing department for a marketing coordinator at a medical device company. She urged me to apply. I did and got the job and left her to work for them. And I was with them for five years. Oh, wow. But she wanted me to grow. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I thank her for that. Yeah, she, yeah. she put her, my needs before her, mm-hmm. but she's still in my life. Obviously, yeah, it's not, it's yeah, not like lost each she just wanted me to grow in my career and, and in my life and have new experiences. Well, and that's what a parent would do. Like you, I don't know these things. <laughs> of course. Right. I mean, what was modeled for you for parenting was the worst kind of modeling that could be made because there was no nurture. There was no observing of the natural gifts and talents. So it sounds like, first I wanted to say, you know, you were given a period of time of rest with her and time of healing with her that you didn't have to look over your shoulder all the time. And what a gift. And then it's so nice to see that she saw vision. She helped you understand vision by exemplifying that. Mm. And so she had gave you a vision of what could be more. It's wonderful. You're so right to talk about parenting because I did not know what parenting looked like in Mm. a healthy way or at all. I was often the parent to my half brothers. Mm -hmm. Um, but Lee was showing me parenting and I did not know to use that language because I did not know what that was, what that was. Mm-hmm. I forgot to mention life skills, talking about parenting. I'm like, what do you do? How do you get a place to live? Right. How do you, <laughs> right. 
how do you pay bills? I had to learn that because as much as I took care of a household, I didn't know financially how things connected mm. the dots. You were mm. not taught this in school. By the way, they should teach us in school how to take care of yourself and yeah. tax and investments and um, credit. Yes. And avoid or, credit or just credit. even buying clothes. I can say that as a boy, even to this day as an adult, it is traumatic for me to buy clothes. It's just it's like trauma. And it's just... <laughs> <laughs> I get I get better at it, but it is um it's just a weird thing. I also want to say too that what's happening in your life and what happens to a lot of us is that we self-parent and we become our own parent and it's totally okay even though I can't tell you how many times you, it's just like that idea of someone else to pick me, someone else to you know to do that. It starts with you picking you. And, and that is so important in the artistic community. Yes, someone has to pick you. Someone has to say, I want to cast you, or I want you to write my score. But until you pick you, they're not going to see what you have to offer to say, yeah, I want you and what you're doing. It's just such a, a mind it's their mind reversal, meaning I can't wait to be picked before I do my creativity and, and explore my craft and, and expression. Uh, because it, it, that, it's too late. I need to do that because that is the road. It took me many years to understand process, and I, I'm so grateful for Kristen to help me with that, that it's all about living in process and not... Um, not having the end product. I've been so goal-oriented in my life that everything is a goal. Let me complete this. It's done. Okay, done. Let me do this. It's done. Rather than in a creative process, is it done? Is it? Ah, I think I could say something else here. And it's the process. It's only done when you say, I think I'm done now. Or someone's like, yeah, time is out. I need what you have, you know, then there's that. But it's living in process and not living in goal orientation. So it's just really great that you've had that. And now you're you're on this journey too of doing it for yourself. Yes. And I'm still learning and I'm I'm just making a little note because you said some really wonderful things that I want to expand on. Needing acceptance in order to do your job, you know, and being able to get to do the work and having someone pick you so that you can exercise all that's within you out. What, and I know you'll appreciate this, and anyone who, even if you're not in the entertainment or creative industry, I think we all understand, how do you love yourself despite being overlooked, mm. despite being despite not being picked and so love yourself despite it and so know and anchor your anchor yourself to know i still have something worthy of giving even though you chose to not pick me to tell the story mm-hmm. it's so hard to still love yourself despite that and i am still working on that mm-hmm. but one thing i did i do try to tell myself aaron i am not for everyone yeah Whether in relationships, you know, with romantic partners or friendships or your, your jobs, whatever job that may be, or circumstance, I am not for everyone. And actually, I don't want to be for just anybody. Mm -hmm. I'm meant for someone who is just right for me. And that takes a very unique person for someone as unique as me. And I don't mean that in a pompous way at all. I mean, we are all, we all have something special, special to give. So do not be hard on yourself as someone that picked you because what you have is so special, it's not meant for everyone. That's right. And that's why it is special. That's right. that's okay, right? Absolutely, it's okay. Um, I'm going to relate it to food uh, because I'm Italian. Everything has been food a lot in my life. And, you know, it's one of the things I'm working through of, when food is not love, um, <laughs> that 
why does Baskin Robbins have 31 flavors? Because not everybody likes one flavor. Mm-hmm. We are such a vast world that we will be liked by a number of people and disliked by a number of people. And that is okay. That's why we have 31 flavors. I am my own flavor. And those who want to be around whatever it is that I do and whatever it is I create, great. Because I know they're out there. And the same for you, Kathy, and the same for everybody in the world. There is a place for all of us that we have like-minded people like what we do. Mm-hmm. So that's it. I love the analogy. <laughs> in my love language. <laughs> and yes, you want someone to look at you and, and or know you as you are with all of your stuff. Mm-hmm. and love you anyway because of it mm-hmm. you want to be a hell yes for someone not just she'll do yeah exactly good enough yeah good enough yeah no you want that for yourself when you see something you want it to be a hell yes because you're so excited versus well if this is as good as it gets i'll take it yeah i'll settle yeah. i don't want to settle no and you don't have to settle i, I also have said uh in the past i want to be celebrated and not tolerated. And yes, and the journey that choosing that journey is going to take longer, but is worth it because yeah. you're not settling. So anything that's worth having, and I'm talking about, I'll tie and I'm tying into the artist's journey. Mm. Anything that you want most versus what you can have now, it's going to take longer, and it will be worth it. Mm-hmm. It just it's delayed gratification. It's going to be really hard. And you're going to think, will I ever even get there? Mm-hmm. Am I wasting my time? <sighs> Am I just delusional to think that it's possible for someone like me? It's just a matter of when, not if. And you're yeah. right. That to be celebrated, not tolerated is so true because I've just been tolerated all my life. And to have someone like Lee Nelson say, hell yes to me and mm-hmm. pick me. And love me for who I am with all of my stuff and love me anyway and never making me feel bad for who I am. To be loved so authentically and completely, I just didn't know what that looked like. And it feels so good that when you find that or when, or when they find you mm-hmm. or when you find each other, mm-hmm. it is a paradigm shift in your heart and your soul and your being that you just don't want anything less than that. Mm-hmm. And I will add that in the meantime, when it's not like that all the time, no. it's okay that it's not like that all the time. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to, to add that because I have also found that that sometimes the waiting is difficult or you've had something happen and it was good, but then you know that particular project comes to an end. So the idea of patience is so important. And it's also a time when you can continually work on your own expressions. Mm -hmm. If whatever it is that you're doing uh, in an artist's life, it's not always that we're doing it for money to get paid. Mm -hmm. We're just doing, creating, we're creating. And then there's a time where what we've created will, will get, money for or something acknowledgement mm-hmm. but then it's going back to the creating and the creating again mm-hmm. you said something in um that Kristen said your wife Kristen said um living in process yeah yes and we think that that process will end at some point like you're saying how you know something ends and you start we're always in a cycle It is a life cycle. That process of living is a life cycle. Mm -hmm. When it ends, it's because you, why would you want it to be like done? Because then what? Exactly. It is a journey, it is a process. And I have to accept the fact that I will never know all the answers. I will always move and live into them. Mm -hmm. And then when you move into those answers, you will find new questions. Mm -hmm. And that's okay to not always have closure. You may not get the closure you want, 
So you have to find ways to find peace within yourself in the process of healing or transitioning. Mm -hmm. We're all always in transition. We're never done. There's always something else and that's okay because you're always learning something new. Um, I think that's so, so important to talk about. And I'm glad you mentioned living in process because we're always looking for, okay, you know how this idea of like, okay, when I turn 20, I'm gonna get engaged and now get married. I'm mm -hmm. kids at this time, have this house, this car, this job, make this kind of income. I know people who have all those things and got what they wanted and they're still not happy. Yeah. Even though they checked all of their own boxes of what they believe that they wanted, they feel like they're missing out still mm -hmm. because they're so focused on the end result, not on how they want to feel about something, what mm -hmm. gives to them in return. And they are, they are probably are getting a lot of things, but my point is to say that even when you achieve all that you wanted, it doesn't mean that you're done. Mm -hmm. So embrace the idea that you're living to your point and Kristen's point in process. Yeah. And maybe that is just, okay to never feel complete yeah i think you know circumstances can be complete situations projects they can be complete but us as individuals as long as we're breathing we are incomplete and as i go back to before we're messy mm -hmm. and that is really okay it's we're, we're just not perfect and thank god you know the gray area is fantastic. It's that transition place of, you know, I know it's always like, oh, well, where do I go when you're in transition? But it's a real juicy place. And it's taken me a long time to be even say that because it's, it can be uncomfortable. Right. It's like running with your shoes untied and you feel like you're going to trip and fall or you don't feel like you have firm foundation or you feel like you're going to fall out of your shoes but it's the place of possibilities and a place of discoveries mm -hmm. and that is really what the artistic journey is about not so much of achieving a final goal because that goal will come and go mm -hmm. you know the show you're on, and I know we, we can't talk specifically about it, will end. Mm -hmm. We don't know when, hopefully a long time from now. <laughs> and then there's the next transition. You mm -hmm. know, the project I'm on now will end. And then what's the next thing? But in, the, in your heart, it is always about being in process and what it is that you want to say next for your own self and hopefully will be for others, like sharing your story, which I want to just say, I would encourage you to think about writing a book. Mm. Mm. You have a lot to say about your journey and you are a survivor and you're doing more than surviving. You're thriving. Something to think about. Thank you. Yeah. Anything we missing? Oh, we haven't even talked about acting yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, it, it takes a while for us to get there. I know we were just touching on it. You were just touching on the acting. Let's go there. So I've always had a full-time job because I have to. Mm -hmm. um, I've always been such a, a, a voice for women to support themselves and create their own income and to be able to know their finances and to know themselves and have their own thing or career or whatever that is for them. But I do not want, it is so important for me and for people to create your own sense of stability because life will just rock you over and over again and throw you back down the bottom. I've been, I've been at bottom so many times, mm. um, but you know, I had to learn life skills, you know, so I didn't have a lot of money, whatever money I had went to rent because that had to be liquid. Um, but everything else I charge on credit cards because I can only afford so much with mm. my income. Or if I didn't have one job, I had multiple jobs that pays. So I would have, I would work at Fred Hutch. I would also do the graveyard shift and then have a job on the weekend. I was always hustling. 
Mm. because I needed money and things just cost things and mm. you're supporting yourself. And I don't rely on any man or any person mm -hmm. for my own resources. I am the resource and mm. I have to make it happen. So, um, so, you know, I definitely accrued a lot of credit card debt and found my way in and out of it and was able to pay that off. But I had to learn a lot. I had to learn a lot of life skills and I made a lot of mistakes. I did a lot of things I didn't know you shouldn't do because I didn't have parents to teach me or any adult mm -hmm. to teach me. I didn't learn how to drive until I was 23 years old. Wow. That means, mm -hmm. yes. So I was true. I graduated from college. So if you were on track and did things on time, you would graduate when you're 22. I graduated a year late. So I gradu graduated when I was 23. Lee, my boss, knew that I did not know how to drive. And she knew that I, need, I needed to learn how someday. She taught me how to drive. That's At great. 23 years old, my boss mm. taught me how to drive because I did not have parents mm -hmm. with these things. So at some point, I learned how to drive. I, I actually, she sold me my, my first car for a dollar. Oh. So my first car was a 1993 Subaru Impreza. And <laughs> um, I had a car. I learned how to make enough money to pay rent. I got an apartment. I was able to learn how to figure out how to pay bills, like, you know, electricity, water, sewage, you know, mm. had, car insurance, didn't have a car payment thanks to her. I learned that, oh, you can put money in for retirement and your company, they're great, would match it. I learned how to do that a little bit later in life. Mm -hmm. So I was learning these life skills and making a lot of mistakes on the way because, of course, I also had credit card debt. And so um, that became something, money became, <laughs> unfortunately, in terms of survival, very important. And so that's why I always had to have a job, not just one, but two or three. Mm. And so I didn't expect to make a lot of money from modeling and acting, but I definitely enjoyed the creative outlet it was offering me. Mm -hmm. And I learned to become better at things and took acting classes and became a better actor. And um, but when you're in Washington, you know, uh, we had some great projects that were shot in the Northwest. I say the Northwest to encompass Oregon because a lot of the TV shows I wanted to be on were actually shot in, and casted in Oregon. Mm. Because I fell into the Northwest region, I was allowed to audition for those parts that were cast and shot in Oregon. So my first TV series um, that I booked was leverage with timothy hutton mm -hmm. and that was a huge one for me i mean it was my first tv series with mm. timothy hutton and i was so nervous and um and then my second series i booked was grim oh yeah we love grim <laughs> we were all casted out of a casting office in oregon and also shot in oregon but you know it came from my saddle office but just to give you an idea we didn't do self-tapes back then. Mm -hmm. So a one-way drive from Seattle to Oregon for an audition that lasted five or 10 minutes was three hours each way. Oh my gosh. I say this to say, when you want something, yeah. you make it happen. Yeah. That doesn't mean that I was happy about having to drive three hours each way, six hours round trip for one audition that the audition um, lasted five minutes yeah. although you were in the waiting room for about 10 you know you're in and out within 15 minutes but it was every audition was a six hour round trip for me with a full-time job i don't know how you did it because i don't know if i would do something like that it's hard enough in la before right. we do self auditions or we do zoom auditions to drive for 45 minutes to do the five minute, you know, audition, you're in and you're out and you're back into traffic again. I'm like, gosh, what the heck? This is just crazy. But to do three hours and then three hours back, that is dedication, perseverance, <laughs> tenaciousness. That's great. Thank you. With that said, for me to book, and I've found some numbers for you because we need to know some of the stats behind this. Mm. With the leverage, I booked it 
But do you know how many times I auditioned for that? High teens or in the twenties. Really? Before I booked that. Same thing with Grimm. It took me with Grimm. It took me over twenty some auditions before I booked it. Wow. I say that to make people feel better about themselves because can you imagine having to like six hours round trip times twenty? Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's, it's yes. So I, if it can happen for me, yeah, it can happen for you. Mm. Trust me. If it can happen for me, it can happen for you. Yeah. It's just a matter of not a matter of if it's just a matter of when. So yes. So I say that six hours round trip for every audition. And I've auditioned for each of those projects for leverage and grim about 20 times grim over 20 times for the librarians. It was a little bit newer and I was actually more experienced. So that mm. didn't take as many auditions, but um, so yeah, it was a lot of auditions going back and forth and then also being able to make it back in time for my next meeting at my job. Right. I've right. never dropped the ball on any of my deadlines or deliverables for my job, which because if I knew I had an audition, I had to, and I'm going to break it down so people understand what that means to have a six hour round trip for a 15 minute time in the casting office, I would always ask my agent, can I have the earliest call time, which would be, I believe, 10 a.m., mm-hmm. which means that to get there at 10 a.m., I had it was a six hour drive. So let's do the math. Oh, my gosh. I had to leave at seven, seven, six thirty, six thirty, get you there at nine thirty. Yeah. So 630, 6.30, 7.30, 8.30, 9.30. Yeah. So yeah, because you want to get there early and find parking and reset yourself. So because I'm paranoid, I think I will leave at six o'clock mm. because you just don't know about traffic, getting gas on the way, mm-hmm. parking, and then just needing time to g- gather yourself. So let's say I would leave at 6 a.m. for a 10 a.m. audition, but that means I would get up at 5 a.m. to prep, hair, makeup ready, reset my lines. And then during the drive, kind of, you know, get that into my system. And then I would have an hour or half an hour to spare, depending mm-hmm. on my journey, go to the audition, leave the audition at 1030, drive three hours back. So 1030, 1130, 1230. I would manage to have my meetings at two o'clock. That way, when I land at 130, park, go to my office, prepare my agenda for the day and hop into that meeting without skipping a beat at 2 p.m. Mm. But that meant I had to get my work done a day early yeah, 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 and yeah. send out the agenda a mm. day early. So I made sure that my shit was together, not only <laughs> yes. on time, but early so that I don't drop the ball for the rest of my team. Yeah, Because yeah. by that time I was already a, a designer, mm. a experienced designer for Nordstrom. And I need this day job. Mm-hmm. I need this job to support me to be a mostly unemployed actor. Right. Well, that's how <laughs> it is until we become so employed. I, Right. So I definitely wanted to always honor what I, what I owed to the team and mm. my peers and my, you know, project managers and product managers and my stakeholders. Um, because I never want what I wanted more to compromise what I needed now. Mm-hmm. So it takes a lot of work to make sure that you honor everyone during the process and not make anyone an expense of what you want to do. So mm-hmm. it just meant more work, more time working on the weekends, late at night after work, mm-hmm. to get things done early so that I can do this audition and yeah. come back and be on time for everything else. What made you decide to leave Washington then and get to LA? I've always, as a child, wanted to come to California. Remember how I wanted to go to Stanford for mm-hmm. college? Um, the idea of just warmer weather and palm trees and this idyllic idea of California was always a dream for me. Um, at the time for education, but also as a lifestyle. But but it was definitely common knowledge that a lot of the opportunities were in California or New York or mm-hmm. Chicago. Mm-hmm. But California was closer to me being on the West Coast mm-hmm. than New York. And um, New York always seemed so far away and so terribly expensive. And as you know, I've struggled with money mm. a lot. I could barely afford what I could afford in Washington, let alone California, let alone Chicago and New York, right? Mm-hmm. So um, California has always been my dream mm-hmm. to go for you know med school um, and, uh, and acting for sure. 
Um, I had a few false starts. I tried and then ended up staying in Washington. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I was definitely growing my resume very slowly, only because I had so many things you could audition audition for in the Northwest. But I want to say to all those out there, my career and still is, is being built on the small parts. Yeah, I'm yeah. building my career on the under fives, even now in LA on the co-star rules it is nothing to sneeze mm-hmm. at, nothing to sleep on, nothing to be ashamed of. Mm-hmm. Those little jobs were everything. Yeah. So I never want anyone to feel minimized. Oh, it's just an under five or it's a co-star rule. My career is being built on that as we speak right now. Mm. You can audition for a guest star, a serious regular, and the next day audition for an under five. And you know mm-hmm. what? I will say hell yes to that. I'll, <laughs> I will yeah. I'll do it. Yeah. I don't have an ego that makes me feel like, oh, I'm at a level now. I don't do anything less than that. No. Mm-hmm. I am always a student. Mm. Always. I always want to know how I how I can be better. And some yeah. of the hardest parts are the under fives they are small roles are the hardest ones for me i struggle with those and i fuck those up all the time (laughs) yeah no i get it because you know there are some people and i think well i will say i am one of them where the more that's going on the more i'm engaged and the more i'm in it yep so there are nothing to sleep on, nothing to sneeze at. Like right. my ego is not tied to a large role. It is a role. It is work. Work begets work. Yep. I always yep. have something to learn. Even now, I still make mistakes. I always want to know how can I go from good to great? Yeah. And when you do that one thing, what happens next? You start all over again. It is the but process. But you start with experience. Yes. But- we always do. Everything builds upon everything else. It's not like, you know, you wake up and you've got a clean slate. You wake up and you have what happened the day before and the day before that, and you build on that. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, we will always be making mistakes. That's why they have a blooper reel. <laughs> We're always going to be blooping. And that's okay. You know, it's just part of our journey. That's why I say it's messy. Life is messy, even mm-hmm. when we're acting or performing or whatever it is. And coming from you, it means so much to hear because I, you are so accomplished and have done so much with your life and your journey. And even you say that even now with all of your. Well, thank you. That's, that's very kind. I don't feel accomplished. I feel like I'm still building. I feel that, uh, you know, I want to, I want to learn more about my own depth, Hmm. you know? Have I, have I, I feel like I just have scratched it. Mm, And I think it's so important that you share that because people need to hear that. Yeah. So thank you. Sure. It's a scary thing for me because I know I I need time. And it's just exactly what we just got finished talking about. My gosh, I like to stay busy, but I need the time to not be busy, to mine the depths. And it frightens me to do that. And so a lot of times I have squandered the time because of fear. But I'm at this age of my life and stage of my life where I don't want to do that anymore. Um, I'm now, I have developed a curiosity. And I think that's important to mention because my curiosity was not strong enough to overcome my fear. Now it is. Mm. And so I look forward to the fear that's going to knock on the door to go, okay, where, where can we go now? How, where can we go deeper? I'm sitting with what you just said. I love what you shared. And what's coming up for me in response to you is that fear and pain is one of our greatest teachers. Mm-hmm. And how do you live with that? Like you, we have to learn how to, we, we, we want it to go away, but maybe the part is, which I'm learning and have been learning to do is how do I live with it to fuel me? Mm-hmm. I want to add something. 
the idea of being fearless. People think that to be fearless is to be brave. I disagree with that. I think if you can operate in the absence of fear, well, that's just ease and privilege. Mm. But if you can operate with fear and do it anyway, I think that is fucking brave and courage. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, should yes. I do a cleaner version without cuss words? <laughs> no, we're okay. This is a podcast. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, not to worry. But I feel like people embrace, oh, she's so fearless. I'm like, you know what's even more brave than being fearless? It should do it with fear. Yeah. That's brave and that's courage. And I mm-hmm. honor that. Yeah. So everything that I've done in my life isn't because I was fearless. You mentioned curiosity. I 100% agree. I'm chronically curious. What if? Mm. I never want to live, with, live through my life with regret that I just didn't know and I didn't try hard enough to find the answer. Yeah. You only know my doing. I chuckle at when you said what if because those who know me know that that is one of my favorite expressions when in any creative process is what if. And I learned it. I studied with this, um, This his name is Jack Smalley, wonderful man. He's now passed away, wonderful composing teacher. And I studied privately with him. And I had this thing going, it's an ostinato. And it had this rhythm that was just whatever. I don't remember what it was, but it's something like that. I don't know. And he's like, what if you just take out every fifth note? Just willy-nilly like that. I'm like, what? What? Because I'm like, no, no, I planned out every single one of these notes. He goes, yeah, but what if you did take it out? What would it sound like? It may not be great. So what he was doing was opening my mind up to, yeah, you have an idea. Now shake it up. What if? And explore, and you discover new things from that. And he was absolutely right. Because in that particular sense, what he did tell me and teach me was that when you have an ostinato pattern, the brain starts filling in the gaps once it's established. You don't need to always have it. Because then that leaves room sonically for other things. So it was just quite a nice example. But I've taken that forward in in acting um, I've done a little bit of directing, and I totally used that in directing. I do that in um, in editing. I do that in in um, like if I'm working with anybody else in their compositions or mixing. What if? I'm so glad you said it. Oh, I am so pleasantly surprised that I did not know that was something that you live. One of the things that you live by. So I appreciate yeah. knowing that about you, and I. A thousand percent agree. I also believe you might appreciate this. You never know till you try. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Of course. And I rather find out all the ways that didn't work, but have peace to know that I tried it and I just eliminated what's not right for me mm-hmm. so that I can be closer to what is right for me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it is a process of elimination. And that that is where that gray area that you're talking about. That's the discovery zone. Mm. And let's lean into that because we are always trying to define the gray area. Things may not be black and white. That's okay. But when you find definition and discover more things, you do get closer to the answer of what's most divinely right for you. If you allow for room for curiosity and discovery, and also to allow the idea that this didn't work out great lesson learned, mm-hmm. eliminate, next, I'm closer to my truth. Mm-hmm. I'm going to quote a dear friend, and he usually listens to the show, Craig McKay. Hi, doing? Craig. <laughs> Craig has taught me over the years something that he has always says. And Craig, you know what it is, right? What's the word? Right. Next. He would always say that. When a circumstance is complete, whether it was good or not good, it's next, which was such, I mean, for years, because I had the tendency to hang on and I would hang on. But what if 
that's where the what if and next kind of got intermingled with me. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it was, no, it's, it's complete and it's now next. Mm. Because you've said that, I immediately think of Craigers. And, oh. uh, yeah. And, it, and it's just, he'll say, <laughs> whenever we talk, he's like, even sometimes I still forget. He's like, so what would I say? I'm like, uh, next. <laughs> like, yes, that's it. Next. Right. And that is being authentic too, as you said, and I'll repeat it again, living in the process. Mm. We are always in transition. Things may not always have closure, but they loop into the next thing or dovetail into the next thing. Yeah. And it's this one long feedback loop mm-hmm. and you're figuring it out as you go. And that's a okay. And really want to add, you're just inspiring so many things I want to share that I just want to add on to what you just said is that speaking of next and when things don't work out and you're like, eh, I don't love it. When we're trying to figure our way through something, when things feel like a block or an obstacle or a dead end, I have to tell myself, and how do I keep going? How do we keep going as artists? Um, it's a quote that I don't know who to credit, but it's definitely not coming from me, but I am inspired by this thought. What is happening to you is happening for you. Mm-hmm. Therefore, another quote that I love to add to the end of that statement is, what is this trying to teach me? Rather mm. than being a victim of circumstance that didn't work out your way, what is this trying to teach me? What can I learn from this so that I can do the next thing and go from good to great? You know, Kathy, that is a really strong statement. And coming from you particularly is a very strong statement to say because to be able to say that what has happened to you has happened for you did it take you a long time to really embrace that? Or was it a, uh-huh, yeah, I get that. Because I I would feel like there would be a big fuck off kind of thing. But that just means I haven't worked through some of my shit. I mean, I do agree with the statement. And I just wonder how it came to pass for you to be able to truly embrace that. The only control I had in my life was just how I reacted to things and how I absorbed and responded to the world as I moved through it. Mm. I did have a lot of limiting beliefs placed on me that I did not ask for, that were unfair to me, Mm. that I ended up buying into and learned that that was all bullshit. Mm -hmm. And the only control I had was on my own thoughts and feelings and how I, how I how I behaved. Mm-hmm. I knew how it felt to be minimized and, and overlooked and how, how I knew how it felt to feel small and undervalued and not loved. It felt shitty. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. It can cause you to question if you're even worth any more time on this earth. It is so debilitating to one's own psyche and, and, and sense of value I never, ever want to make anyone feel that way. Mm-hmm. I can either use all my experiences as a crutch to behave badly and to be like, well, I behave this way because I was treated badly and that's my excuse. And it'd be completely valid. Mm-hmm. You know, how often do we see people doing things and we learn, oh, it's because they were going through this and like, oh, okay, well, I guess that makes sense. And it could be acceptable and I could get away with it as a crutch to not being my best or not treating people well, but I had control on moving forward, how I made my own imprint in the world, how I want to be remembered, how I want people to feel when they're around me. And I never want people to feel small and undervalued or feel like they weren't worth loving and, and be invested in. So I took all that crap and chose to be the person that I wanted to be to be the person that I was never raised to believe to be capable of being and Mm. became that and also chose to be opposite of everything that I was, the people that were, I grew up with. I chose to be opposite of them. That was the only control I had in my life. Mm. And the only control I had was to how do I behave moving forward? The choices I made, how I talked to people, how I treated people. That's all in my own control. I can Mm. choose how I want to be, 
who I want to be, how I want to present myself, everything else I have no control over, but I can choose how I want to respond and how I want to make it work better for me. Mm-hmm. But it's hard. Yeah. And that's so wonderfully said. And it's, it so is process. It's just a great way to end the show. So wonderful. Kathy, mm-hmm. I cannot thank you enough for saying yes to come on the show, um, for being open and sharing your life in a very meaningful way. And this has really been a special time. So thank you mm-hmm. so much. Thank you. Well, there you go, everyone. That is a wrap on Kathy Vu. What what an amazing journey. What an amazing life. I think it was in episode 62. I was going to say 63, but 62, where I was saying, man, you ought to write a book. I would love to see this in a book. I think it would bring so many of us some hope and encouragement as we go through our journey. All right, Kathy Vu. Check out our website, C-A-T-H-Y-V-U.com. You'll be seeing a lot more of her on, again, I can't mention it, but keep your eyes open. Find her on social media and you'll find out what's happening. All right, next week, I'm going to be interviewing Meredith Grundy and Joseph Bennett. It's the first time I've interviewed two people at one time. They have a podcast called, Are You Waiting for Permission?, And it's a show that is dedicated to those of us who have just stood on the edge, waiting for others to give us permission to pursue our dreams. So that's who's going to be on the show next week. Meredith Grundy and Joseph Bennett will find out about their pivot points. In the meantime, take care of yourself. And remember, if she's doing it, why not you?